Hey everyone, and welcome back to Commander Clash. This week, we are going to be discussing the best mana rocks at mana value 4 or greater. So, mana rocks, as defined for this podcast, are going to be artifacts that are going to be giving you mana advantage. So, they either tap for mana, which is probably the most traditional uh, definition for mana rocks, artifacts that tap for mana. But we're also going to be including stuff that give mana discounts. So a spell like Primal Amulet uh, gives discounts to your instants and sorceries, makes them cost less. We're going to count that as a mana rock because it's an artifact that does that. And then any other way that generates mana advantage um, that we can come up with. So we're keeping it kind of loose so we can discuss multiple cards. Uh, we covered, I believe, 23 or so artifacts. We're going to have the full list of cards that we ranked in the video description over on YouTube and on the article, so you can check them out there at your leisure. But we decided we're each going to be talking about three. Uh, each of us are going to be bringing three artifacts that we want to talk about in, in the group because we think are going to have very interesting uh, stuff to to discuss as as a group. And joined with me, as always, is Seth, probably better known as Seth now, uh, Olive. How's it going, Seth? I'm good, Tomer. How are you? Good to see you. I'm great. I'm great. Clearly, I'm I'm tired, so I need to get a drink from my Coke Zero. Not sponsored, but wish I was. Moving on, we got Krim, aka the Asian Avenger, aka someone who's also probably quite tired. How's it going, Krim? I yes, uh, yes, Tomer. Yes, that's that's how's it going. Hi, good morning. Uh, I I am I am having a uh, busy day, so thanks yes. uh, for having me. As I heard, your your uh, apartment's hunting right now in the midst of also just very craziness as yep. well, right? Yep, just constantly running back and forth. So, <laughs> fun times. <laughs> well, good luck with the with the with the hunt. I hope it gets Thank resolved you. very quickly. And uh, next up, we got Phil, aka Brewer's Kitchen. How's it going, Phil? Hey, oh, everything's good over here. Kind of. Excited to talk about cards that I mostly don't play, but if you play four mana rocks, we're going to highlight the good ones. <laughs> well, you don't play any of these? Oh, some of them, uh, but okay. I'm not going to play a Hedron Archive. <laughs> and you would be <laughs> yeah, wrong. And no one should. Um, oh my god. All right, let's, we'll, let's get we'll to talk this about list. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, first, first, so we have a specific ranking scale, and obviously... Rankings mean nothing without definitions. We're using a very specific definition to rank these. And that's why if you say like, oh, why didn't you rank this S? Well, if as long as we're ranking based on our definition, then that's basically all that matters. So our definitions go like so. At D, these are cards that we don't play. We actively cut these from our deck, and uh, yeah, we just won't we won't willingly put these in our decks. Uh, at C, we have uh, average cards, which are mediocre filler cards. They might be added into the deck because we have some sort of thematic restriction or or a budget restriction, for example. At B, we have cards that are. Uh, only good in certain decks. They're good in a small percentage of decks. They might be all-stars in a very specific archetype or a very specific commander, but they're not universally good and you're not going to be jamming them in a vacuum. So let's say a card is really, really good in a Spellslinger deck. Um, it's like the best mana rock in Spellslinger, but it's horrible elsewhere. We're going to rank that beat. 
At A, though, these are uh, really good cards in a large percentage of decks. Not all decks, but they're going to be very good in most of them. And then finally is S rank. These are, are cards that we consider very good at top of the top in basically any single deck. And you basically have to have a reason why you don't run these in your deck uh, for them uh, to fit. So yeah, that's our criteria. Uh, we're only going to be talking about like 12 or so cards. And for we're going to be skipping some of the more boring options like the Great Hinges here. Uh, is card draw and and ramp and is nutty, but we're all. Oh wait, no, we are talking about that. Never mind. <laughs> there, there are stuff that we're not talking about that we're all like have a consensus with. Spoiler. But there's. <laughs> I might have to change my rating just uh, to spice it up a little bit. Uh, anywho, whatever. Uh, but before we go into things, um, you can like and subscribe to help the channel grow. And secondly, if you want to support the channel, you can head on over to our uh, merch store, mtgoldfishmerch.com. You can buy deck boxes, deck sleeves, uh, t-shirts, and so much more over at mtgoldfishmerch.com. All right, let's get it in. Yeah. Whoa, okay, I am tired. Uh, Seth, just let me not talk anymore by introducing oh. the first card. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if you want to let me go first, Homer, because we're, ah! we're, uh, we're, we're going there right Jeez. from the start. Uh, first mana rock, Hadron Archive, four mana. You tap it for two generic mana, or you can pay two and tap it and sack it and draw two cards. If you look at the ratings, Pretty much all of you are just super wrong. Uh, Phil's got it as a D. Tomer's got it as a D. Krim, a little bit of respect, gives it a C. I got yeah. it as an a. a. I think this card is just... It's, it is just a good card. It's a good ramp spell. It's four mana. It makes two mana. That's fine. And then later in the game, when you don't need the mana, it turns into two cards, which is also fine. If you look at this rating, you will see that everyone loves other mana rocks that are similar that don't draw cards. Like Worn Power, or not Worn Power Stone. Uh, what's the what's the four mana one? I'm forgetting. Oh, Thrandynamo. Everyone's got Thrandynamo ranked highly. Heater and Archive makes one less mana, but it draws you <laughs> two more cards. Is two cards worth one mana? I would say the answer is yes. pretty clearly yes. So if you're someone that's ranking Thran Dynamo an A or an S, but giving Hedron Archive a D, I don't know what to tell you, other than I guess I just don't trust your opinion about magic cards. Is it, this is because I, I, I have a low low opinion on Phyrexian Arena. Is, is that it, Seth? <laughs> are you just trying to get back on me? Are you trying to rustle my jimmies? I really, it? truly believe that Phyrexian Arena is a good card, and that Hedron Archive, like, seriously, D? Do not ever play? Like, why, why is it, explain to me why it's bad. Someone sell me on this D rating. Maybe you can change my opinion, and if, if I agree with you, I will drop my rating down. So why is this card Card. Don't actively play it. Try to discard it to gamble. I'm curious. What's the what's the you problem just, with Hedron Archive? I, I, I don't want to sacrifice a four drop to draw two. I, I, I get that. Yeah, it's kind of cool if you have to do it, but I really don't want to do it. It's like a fair case for a situation I really try to avoid. And drawing two cards is not that. Do you, yeah, play Do you play yeah, Mindstone? Do you play Mindstone in your decks? That's a fine rate, though. It taps yeah. for one mana. That's what all two-drop rocks do. <laughs> this taps for two mana, which is... This is yeah, un- which, that's right. Dynamo taps for three. two Mindstones. Yeah, that is <laughs> literally no, two Mindstones. <laughs> it doesn't just also draw cards. Mm-hmm. It either ramps or draw cards and are missing out the fact that you have to pay two mana and tap it to draw those cards and sacrifice it. 
So you do that one time and it's gone. You've essentially <sighs> spent four mana to draw two cards off that ability, and then you paid four mana for the Hedron Archive itself. You've essentially paid eight mana's worth of, of <laughs> mana and sacrificed your ramp source to draw two cards. Like, wow. Maybe. I just like, never sacrificed ah, it so far. Maybe so yeah, well, you never play it as well. Think that could of, be uh, part of the think reason. Of those, think of the commander games where you play your commander game in the early game. You ramp and make all this mana, and then you get to the late game and you draw a couple lands in a row, and you got nothing going on, and you're like, I really need some like action. What are you going to do with your Thran Dynamo there? It's just going to mock you as you sit there and cry about the fact you got all the mana and nothing to do with it. Isn't having the option to turn that mana rock once it becomes useless in the late game and you already have more mana than you could ever possibly use into two potentially relevant magic cards? Like, isn't that some vote for Hedron Archive? Like, does no one else like drawing cards? I thought y'all like drawing cards. Build your deck better. Run more card draw. (laughs) What are you doing being empty-handed all game long? Just build... Just If you're in that position more than once in a blue moon, then you built your deck wrong. Run more card advantage. Yes, you built your deck wrong by not including Hedron Archives so you could draw some cards. Yeah, (laughs) I I agree. We agree, Tomer. Obviously, you're in a situation where you have to crack the Hedron Archive for, for, for bad card draw because you're running a Hedron Archive deck, so you've already gone way off the path in terms of building a good deck. So yes, I understand. If you're in a Hedron Archive deck, then it makes sense Then you would want this ability because you've already made a trash fire of a deck. That you've gotten to this point. So far. Now, 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 now. Good in the Hedron Archive Everybody deck. gather Archive around, okay? I, I, I first off do agree with Seth that, yes, hey. it is good to have the ability to turn any of my mana rocks <laughs> into card draw. However, it is oh. not an A. It is not an. It is not trash. Like like like. It is not like unplayable. Do not play. But it is nowhere nearly like that exciting of a car. I have it rated at C. I have Thran Dynamo at a C. I just think that like for for like a mana rocket four mana. I I I guess I I would probably value Hedron Archive a little bit higher than Thran Dynamo. But just barely. But they're both average. They, I don't know. I don't want that for, for like, my mana rocks. Uh, like, I, if it's 4+, plus, usually all the 4-plus mana rocks do something uh, more than just draw me two random cards. Uh, or, like, like there's there's a lot on here that I, I think I can't wait to talk about. But for right now, hear me out, all right, everybody? I think it's just average. <laughs> like, it's uh, <laughs> It's not that good, but it's really not that bad, Tomer. Come on. I can I can respect Crim's opinion here. If you're going to say that, like, it's roughly the same as playing a Thran Dynamo and you have them, like, more or less rated the same, I can I can respect that. I can I think that's, like, a reasonable take to me. I think when you say, like, Thran Dynamo is really good and Heener Archive is completely unplayable, that's where my mind starts to boggle. Um, but if you're like, they're both just, like, kind of okay, I, I can respect that take. I can respect that take. Thran Dynamo! Test for three, Seth. It's so much better. Like, well, how ah. many cards does it draw, Tilmer? Zero. <laughs> it's going. You get it's a, going to you get ramp a, out. Like, if you're if you're properly building a deck that draws a lot of cards, and you want the Thran Dynamo because you want to cast those spells as quickly <laughs> as possible, right? If the you Thran really, Dynamo does it so much more efficiently, thirty three percent more efficiently. If ah. you really think about it, if you really think about it, 
Thran Dynamo gives you 33% more mana, which uh, that is something, but Hedron Archive gives you like a million percent more cards, quite literally, because it goes from zero to two. So, yeah. (laughs) It does draw more cards than a Thran Dynamo. So, that is is actually true. So, so in terms of the Hedron Archive scale, I think Mindstone is by far the best because a task for what is a two mana rock, the task for one, which is on rate. For two mana rocks, you know they all tap for one. That's what they do. That's uh, right. Colorless oh, is yeah. Then the next best one, and it's one that I'll run in budget decks, not not non-budget decks, but budget decks, is actually Commander Sphere, and that's the closest Hedron Archive that I'll actually run. That's not Hedron Archive. Three mana rock taps for one of any color of your commander's color, so it's mana fixing, and you can sacrifice it to draw a card. However, it doesn't require you to pay two mana and tap it to sacrifice. So what you can even do is you can like tap it for mana and then sacrifice it and draw a card and then use that mana. Or like you know, like you're tapped out and somebody vandal blasts in the board or Osir commands, you can always sacrifice it at any given time. You're never going to be in a situation where you know you're tapped out and somebody destroys all your artifacts and you don't have the mana to sacrifice your Hedron Archive or, or something like that. You're always gonna you're always gonna get that value. So tempo wise, it's really really good. It's very mana efficient. Is it great as a three mana rock? No, it's not the best. But at, on a budget, I will run it. I, I value the flexibility of card draw there. But not when I need to pay two mana and tap it to sac- and sacrifice it to draw uh, two cards. No, thank you. Bad. Uh, okay, so I, I have to I have to ask you one more thing, Tomer. So this card's not going to come up. We we rated this card. It's called Firemind's Firemind's Vessel. It's a four mana mana rock. It enters a battlefield tapped, and it taps to add two mana, except it's two different colors of mana. Mm-hmm. You have that rated a tier ahead of Hedron Archive. Yes. Yep. I'm like super. Yep. So I don't so understand that. How? how in the world does the tapped one that can't possibly draw you a card? Rank a tier higher than the untapped one that does potentially draw you a card. At least it taps for mana. If I'm in like a five color deck and I'm desperate for more car- <laughs> uh, more mana fixing, then I'll run that. Maybe it has to be a five color deck though, or a four color at the <laughs> at very least. Four mana, you would do that. Yeah, it's like you know what? It's it's, it's also a D. You know what? You, <sighs> you, you got okay. me. It's also a D. I was hoping that that would get you to bump Peter and Archive up no. a little bit, but I will I will accept you bumping that down. It's All right, like well, a bad explosive vegetation. I actually forgot it enters tap, so I'm actually lowering my grade on that. So that's dropping a D. Just just try it. At least I played it. If you're watching this podcast, throw a heater and archive into your deck and just see. If I'm wrong and you hate it, you can take it back out. You replace it with all the Firemind vessels in the world. But just just give it a try and wait for that game where you're (laughs) desperate and you draw the cards and you win because of heater and archive. It will happen. I promise you. It will. Win because of heater and archive. Okay. All right. All right. This this heater and archive does it all. Apparently it also walks my dog and my taxes. What? Hold on. It does not. It's not that good. Relax. Well, the cards that you draw off of it the cards that you draw off of it when you're empty-handed like that that can give you the wrath you need to stabilize or whatever it, it happens it does i will but give then you, you don't this, have uh, the mana to cast it anymore like that's garbage yeah yeah and then and then you draw cards and you're like oh i wish i had extra mana to cast yeah. these these things on curve oh i sacrificed it for my overcost of bad mana rock i mean i have hedron archive at d and it's i to be fair it should be a d plus probably wow. i'd still not play it but yeah it comes into play untapped although not sure how many times you actually spend the 
two colorless mana on turn four there, but sure. And yeah, you can sacrifice it. I just don't like the play pattern. It just... The Rampart is actually kind of cool, but then Thran Dynamo does a better job at this. And then, yeah, if you sacrifice it, it's at a very high cost. Like, tempo-wise, it's not that crazy card draw. If you want to mana rock that draws cards, play Midnight Clock or something. Mm-hmm. Or other cards on this list. Put a four plus. Yeah. Like, we're t- comparing these down to, like, three, <laughs> That's right? That's true. Like, it's, it's not really like fair to be like, oh, Mind Stone's yeah, better. Sure. It's like, oh, yeah. Soaring's better. Of course it's better. It's one mana. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, but. like at the four cost, and you're specifically looking at the four cost, I do think that Hedron Archive, just having another mode, makes it mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. than, than like, Thran Dynamo and Firemind Vessel, right? Like, Firemind Vessel, I forgot his tap, so it's even, it's much worse uh, than both the pre- previously mentioned cards. Thran Dynamo makes the third mana cool, but, like, the just the versatility, right? Why would you not want something <clears throat> that has another mode? So if you're mm-hmm. going to play one of these cards in one of these situations, I will take the hit on two, the one less mana and have an alternative mode for when I don't need mana rocks. Right? Like I don't, I, I don't see the reason why you'd want something that is so exactly like just like one track, like kind of one one trick kind of thing, right? Like I don't, if I don't need mana, I want to know that I can draw cards. I Hedron Archive, come on, versatility. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's like <laughs> a command in <laughs> mana rocks. Mm-hmm. Modal. It, it's modal. It's a. It's MDFC. It's a MDFC. Yeah, the MDFC, MDFC of mana yeah. rocks. All right. All right. All right. Actually, I won't have to see just because oh, the other ones at four. It's hey, just as bad hey, as Fun Dynamite. That's a win. That's Dynamite. a win. Dynamite. We got. We're getting there. Yeah. Well, Another still, yeah, the podcast. Calm down. Calm down. Seth, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> it's still a C. It's still a C. Relax. <laughs> Oh, another another boy. year or two, and you all have it, S's. Give me time. Oh, I'm still working boy. on you. <laughs> um, the only time I enjoyed playing Hedron Archive was in my Kozilek deck, which I still will run it in oh, Kozilek. Yeah. But yeah, I discarded a, it to counter place. a spell, and that was the only use for Hedron Archive. The fact hey, that it, it was a four mana value. Game. It did win me the game. So, you know what? There's The best use for it is not casting it and is actually discarding it, which is exactly what D is. I hope to discard this. Boom. D. <laughs> definition of D. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll move on. Krim, what do you got for us uh, for, uh, you know, Mana Rock in quotation? Uh, okay. So, man, man, rock in quotations. Let, <laughs> let me go over why there's in quotations. All right. I agree uh, with you, by the way. I agree with you, bro, with this mana rock. Okay. So, Bolas is Citadel. Now, I think this is because I consider this a mana rock. Um, I know that. So, it is three and triple black legendary artifact. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You can play the top card of your library. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay the mana cost. Uh, and then, of course, uh, sack 10 non land permanents. Each opponent loses 10 life. So, first off, you do. This is like a. You, you get to look at the top card of your deck, right? And then you get to play anything off the top. In Commander, we already know that 40 life is a lot of life to play with. So. Although it doesn't directly produce mana, it allows me to cheat mana kind of like in a way it, like it does put me a, like ahead. Like it, it kind of feels like it does produce mana because I'm just using my life to use as mana instead of, you know, actually having mana. And then, of course, why not have the mode to just also drain the table or hit the table for 10? So is this not a mana rock? Does this not do... Kind of what these other things are doing, but even better. For six mana, I, I, I get to just use, like, example, if I get to cast an Ugin, I take eight. 
Set. Think about it like this. That's like cast. That's like tapping four hedron archives right there <laughs> for the price of a life. Hmm. Is this and not drawing just cards in, off? It yeah, because it's not in your hand. It's in your off the top of your library. Exactly. Yes. Maybe there's the off chance that you know, or I mean, like maybe you get stuck, right? You just don't make sure the turn you're deploying Citadel, you don't play your land, so you can play the land off the top of your deck. And if you get hit again, well. Have a fetch land or something, maybe. Um, so this card is – it's a finisher. It's a, a card advantage. It is it, – you know, like it hurts a lot. But you know what? Hey, greatness at any cost, right? I have a hard time thinking of it as a mana rock. I think you're right that the, like, effect that it has on the game is similar. It is, like, kind of generating mana by letting you pay Frexine mana for everything, essentially, or pay life yeah. for everything. Uh, I, I guess I'll buy. I guess I'll buy that it's a mana rock. I, it doesn't work the same as a traditional mana rock. And part of what complicates it is I feel like, unlike Hedron Archive, where you play it to make mana and then you get the option of maybe drawing cards when things go wrong, I think a big reason to play Bolas the Citadel is to draw cards probably like the card advantage is a big part of what makes it good right like because it's not like you get to cast spells from your hand using uh, with life instead of mana so it really is kind of like i don't know as much card advantage engine as it is mana engine so it's a good really good mana rock i think it's a good card it's definitely a very it's well, definitely we, a very yeah, good we, card we agree that it is a good card right i think i think it's safe to say that we agree it's a good card but it does functionally what your mana rock does uh, right? Because, I mean, it may not traditionally do what a mana rock does, but when you break it down, it is a mana rock. It, it's essentially just give all your spells, like, you know, Phyrexian costs, as you had mentioned, and allow that. That's like, that's really good. I've I never mean, built the strongest cards in Commander, right? I mean, we I agree. Mean... It's a powerhouse, right? Yeah, like, it is a powerhouse, but is it not a mana rock? I'll I'll just say, when I build decks, I usually try to make sure I have, like, so many ramp spells in my deck, like, based on, like, Tomer's checklist that he, uh, you can yeah. probably find on the internet, where you got so many lands, and then you need, you know, 10, 12 mana rocks. Personally, when I build a deck, I have never added Bullis' Citadel and stuck it in my, like, Soul Ring, Signet, you know, in that pile. So... I think I agree with what Krim's saying, but I've just never thought of the card in that way before. It's always in, like, a card draw slot or a finisher slot or something like that. So I will buy that it's a mana rock, but it's a new way of thinking for me because I've never I've never considered it that before. I think it's both. I, I agree that it's... I would consider it a mana rock with the same. Like, and again, for, for the viewers, we we stretch the definition because otherwise if we're like strictly mana rocks that have to tap to add mana, we would have like five things to talk about and it would be a very <laughs> short and boring podcast. But like we want to basically show everybody other options that will generate mana and be considered ramp. And that's why we like kind of loosen the definition. And I think it is... I think it is equally important... For both the Citadel, like, I don't just see it as a card advantage. I think it is equally mana advantage because it's very different from just, like, saying, you know, draw three cards. Because if you draw three cards, then you still have to spend the mana to actually cast those cards. And that might mean you won't be able to cast those cards this turn or maybe not even cast all of them the next turn. But both the Citadel basically says, no, you get to draw those cards and you get to put them on the battlefield immediately. And you don't have to spend the mana for it. Don't worry, bro. As long as you have the life to pay for it, you're good. 
or as long as you don't whiff on, uh, I guess, lands, <laughs> and then you're good. Um, so I think, and it's I think an it artifact. is equally. Yeah, and it's an artifact. So if it's it fits our definition, I think I think it's equal. Like it's it's both card advantage and ramp equal fifty fifty. How often do you guys play this card? I was looking at my deck list and I realized that I don't actually play Ballista Citadel that often. It's not a card that like every black deck I jam it into. Should I be I mean, doing that? Like you if you got black totally. mana, you should just be jamming it and YOLOing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you just get killed yeah. is the problem. I mean, that's the most threatening thing you could do is say, hey, I, I'm probably going to win next turn. Like, aren't you just going to kill the person who plays this as, like, a sensei is defining top and it's over, right? Pretty much. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, combo very easily. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's a bit well, like Earthcraft, which is also very good just to ramp, but nobody's <laughs> going to believe you that, oh, I'm just going to... Use this yeah. as a mana rock. True. <laughs> like, I mean, people yeah, will kill you regardless of, of if this is going to combo off in your deck, right? Because it's just yeah. the mana advantage, just right? Be, yeah. Like, like the yeah. ability to just pop off and like reload your own board. But you know, yeah. that's yeah, a, a pretty like a good mana rock gameplay wise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a it's pretty like you... good. And you can go off the turn you mm. play it, right? Yeah. Like right then yeah. and there. Yeah, like you could just whiff, you could just not do anything with it, but like more often than not, there's just always going to be a random situation where, you know, you cast six spells off it, you lose <laughs> half your life or whatever, but like you just cast six spells, chain them all together, and you're now you're in a winning position. I, I will say maybe, Seth, you should be cautious what deck you put it in because i know seth likes to never turn down like if there's an action <laughs> seth will take it right like, oh of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm taking the six on black market connection like, connection every time. Time. <laughs> seth, maybe you didn't need to cast it no no no, no. <laughs> we're, we're casting it off the top <laughs> it's free value <laughs> are you are you like trying to add life gain to your like do you build around this card i guess is my question like are you like okay i got melissa citadel so i gotta get like a green merchant in my deck or i gotta have like stuff like this to replenish my life total or are you just like i'm in black jam this in there it's gonna it's gonna do it for me usually like the i i don't fe- i i feel like again there's just that option where i don't have to use it right like like i could just <laughs> I know, I know, I know, that way, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, Seth, I know, I know, sit there. Have a breather, you. take a breather, I'm gonna, pre- it's the hidden Liliana of the Veil mode, you don't have to activate her. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, you don't have to cast the thing off the top. So, yeah, I, I do think that you should have a little bit of life gain, but I feel like that's the case of almost any deck. Um, yeah. Uh, like, just have a little bit of something to bring you back into a game. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I don't think this is necessarily a builder on it. It's just a good engine on its own. Yeah, it's going to suck if everybody beats you up in the early game and then you draw this. But, you know, whatever. I'm going to have to yeah. play it more. I I think I played it once, but I do think I played it in a commander. This is not... I'm not sure about this, but I think I remember I played it in commander that actually gained life. Because mm-hmm. if you just keep a cushion of life, then... This all this is actually free. I mean, you could play Aetherflux Reservoir and make it very free at some point, yes. and then you throw in a sense of divining top and Aetherflux, yeah, and that's over. like the the facto combo. But like yeah. you're you're in black, you'll have a Gary. This uh, there's like three black pips in this. So if Gary, that's five to each opponent. That's fifteen life swing. You're fine. Whew. I I think Pretty it's good. the the only mark against it that I could see is that it is triple black. 
However, if you have black mana, it doesn't matter how, if it's five color, whatever. I usually play an Urborg. Yeah. So, and there, and like if you're in five color, usually you're like, I wouldn't say this is like an auto include in five color or anything like that. I don't even think this is like an auto include in every deck, but it is really good. Like if you have black, I, I would at least look at it and consider it uh, if any of my decks play black at all. And usually, more often than not, I think it's worth it. So, I agree. All it's right. just we- a good card, yeah. Is it mana yeah. rock? It is. I think it is. It is for the sake of this podcast, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> stretching the definition, Phil, what do you got for us? I mean, I'm stretching the definition as well. Yeah. Here a bit. Uh, primal Amulet. Four mana artifact, instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. And here comes the best part. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a charge counter on the amulet. Then if there are four or more charge counters on it, you may remove these counters and transform it into Primal Wellspring, a land that taps for any color of mana. And when you cast an instant or sorcery with it, it copies and you can choose new targets. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this card. It obviously just mana rocks or mana ramps for instant and sorceries. So it is still a B for me, I think. Pretty sure all it should be it. Yeah, it should be a B, it a B all around. It's very build aroundy or archetype specific. But boy, it's a transformed wellspring is pretty scary. And it ramps you. At this point, it really ramped you because you get a land, but. It also doubles up your time warps or whatever thing you want to do with it. Um, oh. Man, I, this card. Dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Ta- right such to a... the extra turn <laughs> spells. <laughs> I wouldn't do it in Commander, but I did <laughs> a lot of <laughs> Primal Amulet. Not in, nah, not in Commander, but man, in 1v1, I'm extra turning with this all day. I'm not ashamed, especially if there's no game chat on Arena. I mean, that's yeah. Wizard's fault at this point. If I have to... Just- yeah. Justify it in a game chat. I probably wouldn't play extra turns, but you just, man. you just mute the emotes and you're fine. Just, like, yeah. what can, what can they do? Them, what can they do? Them, I get all the turns. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question yeah. for you guys. I like I like Primal Amulet too, but I was looking at it on EDH Rack, and it doesn't seem like people consider it a spell slinger staple. Because I was thinking like, oh, if I'm spell slinger, like I should probably just play this all the time. EDH Rack has it at two percent of decks. And it's really not played over 50% of the time in hardly any decks. Like, you know, some number of VRAN decks play it and other Kalamax, but it's like 30%, 40%. So it doesn't seem like a card that people have, like, fully embraced as a staple. Why is that, do you think? Why doesn't this see more play, I guess, is my question. Because I would have assumed this was like, hey, if I'm Spellslinger, just jam into my deck and it's going to be great. But apparently other people don't necessarily see it the same way we do. I think, I uh, at least my my guess at that is that it's relatively on the pricier side right it's like 12 bucks or something it's like 10 well, 12 i think bucks. it went so up recently yeah it's like so Wait. so it's not like cheap enough to where oh whatever yeah throw that in there right uh yeah. but but like on top of so like when i'm starting to look at anything 10 plus dollars uh that i'm throwing into my deck that's when I'm okay. Oh, well, is this an effect I really need, right? And for four mana, it comes in at a spot where I'm like, okay, if I get, if I do all these things, I get it to flip, then it works. Spell Slinger decks, 90% of the time, don't ever tap out, right? Like, so, like, 
I, I actually don't believe that Primal Amulet is great in that. Like, it's like very, like, it's like a solid card in Spellslingering, but I actually feel like there's, there's other commanders where the mana reduction feels nice. So, like, one of my, the decks is like Zevlor. That's not exactly a Spellslinger deck for me, but it is Spellslinger adjacent. That's where the mana reduction's like, okay, I like that. Uh, but like, I don't know. Maybe a Spellslinger deck just has more efficient ways to go about it in, like, Goblin Electromancers, uh, Brawls, and things like that. And that's way cheaper on the curve. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I, that, yeah. I actually think the problem is something else, probably. I think most people see Spellslinger as is it colors. And is it colors don't really ramp with spells. So you usually want to ramp on turn two in Commander, and then you play an artifact, and that's not a spell especially in Izzet Colors. And then you're stuck with an artifact that you play that's still not a spell, and then you get rewarded for casting spells, but your commander is a creature. So when I play Primal Amulet, I usually play it in Timur Colors. So I have green ramp spells like Explore, or in Commander we have a lot more, like Farseek and stuff. Like if you can ramp with spells, Primal Amulet gets way cooler because you can play it on turn three, and then it so probably is it Spellslinger is actually not the place for it, but more like green based Spellslingers like Simic can make great use of it. <laughs> Love me some Simic, but yeah, I think Would it's it probably be better. In... Or actually, like I feel no, like it's it might... just you fill your deck up with non spells with artifact ramp, and then you there's a lot of payoffs for Spellslinging, and Primal Amulet is probably not the best one. So maybe not Spellslinger, but like simic value spell decks that gain like maybe like spellcraft or whatever the mechanic was called like maybe that's the reason i still think that two percent is kind of low maybe people haven't played with it like it it might not be that powerful but it's very fun so if you play a deck like this just give it a try and maybe turn that two percent up a little bit but i can't imagine it being the composition of decks like ramp is not a spell and then you have to play another artifact and eh, the, the, the front side is kind of underwhelming like if you're just looking at the front side we have two mana two two drops that do the same thing of the mana discount so Baral, goblin electromancer there's a couple there's a couple of them that basically have that text so probably amulet at four is like double the cost so that's not appealing um and then the but the the flip side is is incredible like it's it's ramp plus uh doubling every single time uh you tap it which is really good so i don't know maybe maybe the the payoff is a little bit too slow because the front side is a little bit kind of bad and the it's at least ten dollars so it's harder for you to just kind of jam and try it out um that but that makes some sense like adding all those things together and it is it is underwhelming if you don't get to the backside, like you said. Yeah. If you just see this, like it comes down pretty late. It's only a one mana cost reduction, uh, but the backside is really good. And I think that all these Ixalan cards that flip into lands, not many of them actually qualify for our list because some are enchantments, some are less than four mana. But they are pretty sneaky ways to get ramp into colors that you normally wouldn't have it. I think that that's worth keeping in mind for ramp in general. I almost wish we did a podcast like a few weeks ago about best ramp by other colors, and I think. I think we might have missed by not like talking about something like search for his content in blue or whatever mm-hmm. that these things yeah. that end up flipping into a land so i think we might have even underrated some of those 
Yeah, they're sneaky ramp cards, like you said. Like, they do flip into actual lands, and sometimes the flip cost is very low. Like, Search for Ascanta is incredibly low to get it to flip, and its activability is quite good. And the front side's, like, pretty decent, too, so... Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to move on to a card that I feel like it it's kind of to honor Richard a little bit. It's a card that... That a lot of us were down on, but I think Richard will be really happy to see that most of us have 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 uh, rated a little bit higher these days. And this is the much maligned, coveted jewel. This is his six mana colorless artifact that has one cool or one one interesting ability in terms of ramp, and then one interesting ability that can be seen as a downside. Um, so when it enters the battlefield, you draw three cards, which is huge. And then you can tap it to add three mana of any one color, which is kind of like a Gilded Lotus, which is a five drop. Um, but the downside is uh, that whenever one or more creatures an opponent controls attack you and aren't blocked, that player draws three cards and gains control of Coveted Jewel and they untap it. So six mana, colorless, ETB, draw card, uh, draw three cards, taps for three of any color immediately, doesn't have to stop you untapped. All amazing stuff, but if you do get attacked and don't block, uh, then you're, the attacker gets gets control of it. And the, interestingly, if you asked us, like I think, like two years ago, a year ago, even a year ago, actually, uh, we would rate these pretty low, except for Richard, who would give it like S plus plus. I think we did talk about this card at some point, rated it in some some regard. Uh, we rated it low, but this time around, me and Phil were on the highest on it with A and Krim and Seth. You're still pretty pretty high on it with a B. B so B's and A's for this card that we we long ago would would uh, say pretty bad. What 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 uh, changed your opinions on these cards uh, on this card? Do you think you you like it more than you did now, or or have you always been pretty high on it? Oh, a year ago this would have been a D probably. Like literally, do not play <laughs> it under any circumstances. And <laughs> what changed my opinion was watching Richard go off with it repeatedly. Like, it's really just playing with Richard. And his he similar to Dowsing Dagger, but to a lesser extent, like, he figures out these cards that no one else really plays that much of, and then he plays them in a way that makes them look really, really good. The other thing is, it's just a fun card. Like, Monarch is my favorite mechanic in all of Commander, and that doesn't necessarily make Coveted Jewel good, but it really is kind of like Super Monarch. The way it plays once it's on the battlefield is that same, like, passing around the table giving people cards, incentivizing people to attack. So I always have fun when it hits the battlefield. It's like the opposite of Bolas' Citadel. When you see a Bolas' Citadel, you're like, oh no, Like I better kill this person they're about to win the game. When you see Coveted Jewel, you're like, oh, that's kind of sweet. Like, How can I steal that? Like, How can I get the cards out of this? And uh, So I've really been sold just by watching Richard play, and that's why it's me, because it's good in Richard decks. I don't know if it's actually good in any other decks, but if Richard's playing it, it always looks insane. <laughs> I, I love that we call it Richard Richard decks, but they're just like Richard was the only one every season that would put something on the board early and hit us, and that was yeah. <laughs> wow, what is this archetype where you use the combat step? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> Why does this downside not exist for Richard? Because he keeps stealing it back. <laughs> yeah. Pop off because he just has a board. <laughs> he's the only one who can who is in a position to attack to get the jeweled lotus or the the coveted jewel rather. I mean, like, th this card is, like, kind of, like, a B to, like, a high C for me. Um, and I it, this airs to, like, more, like, I guess the low B side. Uh, but I do I do like it as a fun card. 
this is a very fun card to add to the table. Um, when this drops, it it like Seth had mentioned, it just feels good to have Super Monarch running around. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I guess there's tons of like ways where you see people flicker this, blink this. But I don't know. At six mana, this is pretty decent. I think this is like not bad. It's a pretty good card. It's a fun card, and at the very least. I think the table will have a fun time play, get trying to get aggressive as possible and finding a way to just have creatures. Yeah, I mean, I actually ordered this card just because of the fun factor, and I didn't get to play it yet, but I have it at A because the deck I play it in is just Omnath, which doesn't make any sense, but I just <laughs> play it in, I guess, play it in any deck is an A, so... Yeah, it's just insanely fun. And I've seen so many times now the table just beats each other up about it. And it's at least fun. And if you politic correctly, it could be very good. And if you can flicker it, it's actually very legit. Like, of course, it's six mana up front, but then it taps for three. And then if you can flicker it cost efficiently or even sacrifice it and reanimate it or something, it it's like... The downside isn't as bad as you think because it's like psychological terror to the board, which mm-hmm. is a positive as well. Ah, it's just a super fun card. A might be a bit high, but I mean, I'm playing it in a four-color landfall deck, so I guess <laughs> put it in any deck. Well, it is Omnath, and you know, you do play green, so is it that hard to get... You know, I mean, like, it's not it's easy to throw in some pet for, cards for in there. Yeah. Six drops are like like really four <laughs> drops in green, and on top of oh, that, yeah. you know, yeah, like, like let's not lie here, Omnath is powerful enough to make it. Omnath makes what, five by itself? <laughs> yeah, this yeah. For, for sneezing? Yeah, <laughs> like just, just doing what you were going to do, Omnath will get you there. You'll be fine. Exhaling softly, make five man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you can run it for fun in every deck, just, like, because of the impact it has on the game. But from a more, like, competitive, maybe, perspective, I think it's especially good in in certain decks, which is why I have it to be, like, Orvar copying it. Uh, There's Red Artifact decks that are good at, like, sacking it and reanimating it, like Solad or Ozgir are really good with that. Uh, So, also, like, Zedru or Blim, things that can give it away, and then you can steal it back if you want to. So I think those are the decks that I'm, like, especially... I think it's actually, like, legitimately good in those decks. I think I damn it in decks where I probably shouldn't if my goal is to win, just because I like how it plays and it's like a pet card and it's fun. Uh, but I think that from a perspective of trying to win games, I think those decks in specific can make really good use out of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I've always had it at least at, at like a B, I think, because of the reasons that it is actually good in pretty decent archetypes. Like I always ran it in red artifact decks, like you mentioned, like Goblin Welder. So you can you can either sacrifice it once you get that. Uh, if you're in a situation where someone's going to attack you and you can't block with it, uh, you can sacrifice to get another artifact from your graveyard and put that on the battlefield. Or if you have any ways of putting it into the graveyard, then you can cheat it out into play with Goblin Welder by just tapping it, a one drop tapping it, and, and getting it back onto the battlefield by sacrificing some just like a treasure token or something. So like it's really good there. Blink obviously, like you said, is really good. And you also mentioned Zedru. I put it in Zedru deck specifically for that because, like, 
yeah, I have ETB trigger. I have I have uh, flicker abilities in my deck, and also if somebody just takes the coveted jewel, that actually works in my favor because I I'm not gonna go take it back. I want people to fight over the jewel, and yeah, I'm not gonna be tapping it for three mandate turn, but I'm gonna be drawing a card and getting an, an a life off Zedru, so I'm still winning off that, and also I'm getting the heat off me at the same time. Like, go go fight about go fight for the super monarchy. I'll just be here quietly drawing my cards, gaining life, you know, dribbling away, and don't be attacking me it's great so <laughs> yeah i think this card's like and it's just super fun yeah it's just super fun i i love this card it's a cool it's a, it's a fun fun for the table and it is, gets people aggressive is it a like I, I i okay so i originally looked at this card as a goes in certain archetypes but then i think about it it's like is the number of archetypes that could still use it is a lot so at what point mm-hmm. does that just make it a very good card to put into like anything that plays creatures because you have those decks, but then I also play in my Merfolk deck. I play it in my Rogues deck, right? Because they're little tiny unblockable dudes. So yeah. I know I can get these back, right? So it kind of seems just good in a creature archetype, which is Sounds a like lot. Sounds like an A or an S? So then oh, maybe, maybe that means it goes up to an A. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> because although. It, mm-hmm. Right, you're still giving your opponent advantage too, though. Like that's kind of the. Yes. It's great that you're getting it back, but your opponents are also. It gets a little group huggy at some points. So your opponents are also like, "Oh, I get three cards. I get well, yeah, yeah." In crim decks with Notion Thief, then it's all. Then I mean, that's, that's, that's sure, a, but. yeah. You're right. Actually, you know, you're right. I, and they're all blue and black. So yeah, you know, my good today. I'm gonna put it up to an A because if if I play creatures, even if like I don't have the Notion Thief, I think it's still pretty darn good. Like, we just named a ton of archetypes that could use it. And the only criteria is that you play creatures. Yeah. yeah. I'm still to be. I, I still think it's, think it's more specific well, archetypes, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> well, let Some us know in the comment section. What do you think about Case on Are we or Coveted Jewel? Are we too high on it now? Or do you agree that Richard was right all along? Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> uh, but we'll move on, though, for the sake of time. Uh, Seth, what's your second card on Ooh, your list? All right. I, I got a new one for y'all, yeah. which is Saravox Tome. It is a Commander Legends Boulder's Gate card. It's four mana. When it enters a battlefield, you take the initiative. It taps to add one generic mana, or if you have the initiative, two generic mana, and then you can pay three to have it, exile the top card of your library until you exile a non-land card, and you can cast that card without paying its mana value, without paying its mana cost, but only do that if you've completed a dungeon. Uh, so this is a card that I have ranked as a B. I see Phil has it as a C, Tomer and Krim have it as Ds. I've gained a new respect for this card. We haven't got to play too much with Initiative because it wasn't on Magic Online for a long time, and this card is still not on Magic Online. But a couple of weekends ago, I went to this Commander Sealed charity event thing where we were playing Paper Magic and actually got to play with Initiative cards in a Commander-like format. It was Commander Sealed, but still, it was very similar uh, to Commander. And I was kind of impressed because the first mode of the Undercity, the dungeon that you go into when you get initiative, is search for a basic land card and put it in your hand, which is a pretty nice ability. So even though this mana rock, if you don't have the initiative, is a little bit lacking because it's only adding one mana, the fact that you get that land to generate card advantage, make sure you hit your next land drop, I think that helps make up for it. And then... 
I love that Heater and Archive can give you the ability to draw some cards by sacking it if you can complete a dungeon, which if you're some sort of initiative deck, you probably should be able to, because it's only like five levels to get through the Undercity. Then this becomes very strong. Pay three to exile the top card of your library and cast it for free, like a Mind's Desire style effect, is actually really, really good. So my ranking is mostly a product of... Being impressed with initiative. I think initiative is better than I gave it credit for now that I've actually been able to play with it a little bit and see how it feels and plays in practice. So what do you guys think? I, I know uh, still I, not very high on initiative. I, Honestly, I, I, I didn't think about the first mode of initiative. I'm I'm not sure if it's a B, but that's way better than I had it in my head. I, I, I just assumed uh, this is probably like a scry or something, but the initiative is actually better yeah. than the dungeons, right? And it yeah. works by itself. Yeah, I guess I'd give it a B. I mean, we will never play with it anyways, but it seems seems fun. Wait, we were talking about Jewel and how it encourages attacking, and it's like a super monarchy. And Saravok's Tomb is kind of like that, because Initiative also is just like a... It's a new, more complicated version of monarchy. Yeah. There is a difference, though. The difference here is... Uh, well, first of all, if if you don't have the initiative, Saravox Tomb is a four mana, search your library one. for a basic lane, then tap it to add one mana, which is like it makes Hedron Archive looks good, look good in that regard. <laughs> Although you do get the initiative though. when it comes into play, so yes. the yeah, first turn you do you get the two. So you get to search your library. So four mana, search your library for a basic lane, put it into your hand, and it taps for two. And then if you lose initiative, it starts tapping for one, which is not great. And your opponents also get the initiative, so they benefit from that too. But I like I like I like fighting over that, so I'm not taking a point for that. But then the the other bad thing is that now you've introduced initiative into the game. And now you have to bust out the initiative cards and you have to explain people who really yeah. do not want to learn about the initiative mechanic what the initiative mechanic is and then they constantly have to be like all right what do i do now with this mechanic that i did i didn't play Baldur's gate i don't know what this is doing and then you like stop the game to explain the initiative mechanic for one card and it, do you really want to subject it to people i like the initiative mechanic by the way i think it's a good mechanic except compared to monarchy monarchy is just like oh yeah you have the crown and you draw a card and people are like ah oh, makes sense and for this one you're like all right let's bust out it's like it's like somebody bringing a new board game to the table but it's like super complicated it's like their pet thing it's like no you'll really like it you just have to spend a couple hours understanding it and you're like bust out the, the cards and you give everybody an initiative card and you explain everything and they get it wrong and you're like oh no no no, no. it actually works like this and it's like all for sarah vox too for one for one mana rock is it is it worth it seth is it worth I, it? I will say there were multiple judge calls about initiative at the <laughs> yeah. at the charity event that I was at. So it is actually legitimately like kind of confusing if you, especially if you never played with it before. So I maybe wonder, it's not worth it. Although, I'll go ahead, Grim. Well, so how many of those judge calls it. were just like people not knowing that it triggers on the upkeep and then asking, "Can I miss this?" Like <laughs> that. That was part of it, and part of it was people trying to figure out the interaction between initiative and, like, old-school dungeons, the yeah, original yeah. ones. Like, do you just keep going through the same room? Can you go to a different room? Uh, so they probably could have worded it in a better way. I will say, I think this at least deserves a B, 
for the specific deck thing, because I mm -hmm. feel like this should be a, a staple mana rock if you're playing a dungeon deck. Just because yeah. if you're playing a Sarah oh, rack yeah. or some sort of deck that's built to finishing dungeons, then I think that last mode of being able to like maybe manipulate the top of your deck and get something on top of it and cast it for free, like that seems like a big enough payoff to make it worth it. Even though you are right that if you're only making one one mana with it, it's pretty sad. But I think in a dedicated dungeon deck where you like, I know I'm going to complete a dungeon very easily with my deck, then I think it's probably worth it. Well, if there, there's only there's night and day with this card. It's not not the mechanic. Uh, it is literally the worst card, probably the worst card in your deck, or in a dungeon deck. It's like pretty pretty good. But even so, okay, even then though, like. It's taps for four, or no, it taps for two, sorry. It only taps for two, and then you have to pay three and tap it. So you're essentially, like, if you have the initiative, if you have the initiative and you've already completed a dungeon, you're basically spending five mana to just, like, randomly get the first non-lane card off the top of your library and cast it. And, like, if you Hell hit, like, yeah. a Mind Stone or something, then it feels like doozhoo. Like, what feels if you hit bleh. a... But if you hit or a you can hit good, archive, like, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you're in business. You know what? Oh, God. Even even in the, a dungeon deck, I think I would probably put this at a C now. Yeah, I don't because think th right. there's too many. The main reason why I didn't like it to begin with is there's too many moving parts to this card, right? Uh, like you have to, like you have initiative, then it adds an additional mana. So yeah, like it, the worst. Most often, I feel like I'm just not gonna have it add uh, two mana. You get the one land and, like, you know, whatever, but then now everybody else kind of just match it, like, catches up with you, right? Or maybe you're helping out the one person that's, like, color, you know, like, color screwed. So then you're, like, you know, like, I don't know. I think introducing initiative is fun for the table, but, like, if it, if it messes with how much mana I just, you know, like, that it produces on the four mana mana rock I just sunk mana into. And then, like, the, th the activated ability. I love Chaos 1, but you've also seen where Chaos 1 just loses me so many games because I hit Painful Truths like 50 times. Uh, so, like, I don't know. There's too many moving parts to this card for me to like at 4 mana. There's too many ifs I will say what happens. Uh... It should be better Chaos 1 because you control it. One of the issues with Chaos Wand is you're going at your opponent's decks and you don't know what's in their decks, but in theory, you can build your deck in a way that minimizes the Painful Truce problem or whatever. You can't minimize the, like, hit a random mana rock. That's still kind of sad, but you should be able to build your deck in a way where you're not hitting, like, stone whiffs uh, with this if you decide to put it in your deck. I don't know. The random... Like, like I play Chaos Wand and, you know, the, the whatever the, the wand from Baldur's Gate. I love those wands. The Wand of Wonder. Oh, yes. Yes. It's because of the random, <sighs> right? But like, are they efficient cards? I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say they're the most efficient. Maybe Wand of like Wonder, but like Chaos Wand is truly that, right? And so I don't know if I like that attach. Like, there's a lot of things that have to happen for this to be good. Yeah, I, th I just think the play pattern works a little better than you'd expect. Like I, when I first read the cards, I, I had never heard about it first of all, and but then I read it for this list, and I thought. No, that's clunky. But now that Seth is saying it like this, like imagine playing this and then wiping the board and then next upkeep you get the second room of the dungeon and then you get this mana rock that taps for two. I mean, not that this is that good, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it seems it seems pretty solid. I'd love to try it out and maybe I would change my grade or keep it at B. It seems at least very fun. If you wipe the board and you go to the second room, you get to scry too. Sure, it's, I don't, it's not like though. it's not like. Eh. I mean, it sounds I, pretty good to me. 
Like it, it, the the final room is very it's good. Fair. The final room is very good. You you reveal the top ten cards. You put a creature card from among them on the battlefield with three counters on them, and it gets hexproof until next turn. So like Pretty that good. can be good. But, I mean, you yeah. can go you can go search for a land, scry two, goad something, draw a card. Then the mode you just mentioned where you get a free creature. That's not a bad Sounds progression good. through a dungeon. Yeah. Like yeah. no, yeah. No, Although it is true that it's monarch style, so your opponents also could be progressing yeah. through the dungeon as well, which is a little bit of a, a drawback. But but I, I like that because like yeah, that's what I liked about Covenant Jewel. I didn't really ding it for that. It's just more like the complexity of it, like versus monarch, which is just like oh yeah, you just if you have the crown, end step, yeah. you draw a card, and like ah yes, very good, I can do this. Where everybody else is like ah yeah, it's not as bad as light and day, night and day. But yeah, Thomas, right. This if you don't know what the initiative is, first of all, it's super like taking the initiative, but it's actually a dungeon, and yeah, you go through it every upkeep. Yeah. <laughs> what what happens if you go through with it? Can you start from the beginning? You start from the again? beginning, yes. Yeah, back okay. back through from the top. When you, when you yeah. get to the Played final the room, you've completed the dungeon as well, so that triggers or that activates the last part of the tome. It's a thing. <laughs> It's a thing. Uh, but we'll move on. Um, for Krim, your second card on the list. Uh, my second card is Chromatic Orrery. So by now, uh, if you have, if you don't know what Chromatic Orrery is, it's a seven mana artifact, uh, and it itself taps. Uh, it has you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color, and it taps for five colorless, and you could spend five colorless and tap it, draw a card for each color among permanents you control. So. I have this card rated at a, a at a B, and I sort of like everyone else. I do think this card though is like when we start looking at bigger like you know mana rocks and things like that. I think this card does quite a bit. Um, it adds five first off, and it's five colors, which normally would be a down like a like kind of a drawback. But it fixes my mana, so I really do like that the ability to just go and get like you know, to be able to cast ultimatums off colorless mana is pretty sick um this this card gets the like i have it at a b because but it it feels like it could almost be an a um it's obviously not good in monocolor uh and it's like medium in two colors like it's actually like not that great either for for seven mana but once we start looking at three plus colors this is very powerful like th- this is like just d- paying five mana to draw three without sacking it is amazing. Fixing my mana colors, you know, I love that because I fought for, of course, chromatic lantern. So this is just like super chromatic lantern. I, I, why wouldn't you want this? This seems really good, and it comes down, and you're able to immediately use it for five mana. Yeah. So it kind of makes it cost two mana in a weird way because uh, you get so, that right. five mana back right away. So if you get to seven, <laughs> you you get it for two mana because you get five mana back. I like this card a lot, but I only play it in five color. For me, it's like a five color staple, one of the first cards that I added to my deck in five color. I can see the argument for three color, I guess, but I feel like most of my three color decks, I don't need the fixing as much in drawing three. It's fine. I'm not going to complain. I'll crack my Hedron Archives and draw two, so any card draw is good. But considering the seven mana investment up front, drawing three is like, eh, it's it's kind of like the, the, the lowest possible bar to get over for this card. So for me, it's like five color auto include, four color probably, three color. That's where I'm kind of like, eh, and below that, no, no, no. I I'm like the opposite. Uh, yeah, I... I don't even 
really care about the color fixing in a weird way. I do play it mostly in Historic Brawl is where I play it the most. I'm not sure if I ever played it in Commander actually, but probably because I don't think about it. But I love the how it plays. Like you play this and then play like best. I'm sorry, I won't do this in Commander, but you can play a time warp afterwards and then <laughs> fill in it time five warps every time. I'm, I'm ruthless in one v one. I don't care if you complain. <laughs> um, but it's time, just though. such a huge mana burst for the next turn. Sure, you have to survive, but if you play this, it's not like you tapped out, but you. Yeah, you have five mana back, and it's five mana of any color, so you could play. Yeah, you usually can play something pretty powerful afterwards. It just feels not as clunky to play with as you'd expect, and if you untap with it, it's going to be a pretty good turn. Yeah, if you, if you untap, um, unless you, yeah, it's unless you spend your mana cracking a hedron archive, then it's <laughs> probably not the best use of that mana. <laughs> but I mean, I love the card. Seth, you wouldn't pay like five mana to like you, you wouldn't Jace's ingenuity each turn. I feel like this is like like even at its worst, right? Like when in three color decks, right? Like it is attached to five mana and the fixing of your colors. This is pretty major. I don't know. I think that's there's a reason why in the trailer when Post Malone slams this down, the table concedes. <laughs> yeah that's a bit weird actually <laughs> i mean it still is seven mana to get going like yeah, it, yes. this is a very late game plan and like yeah, commander games go pretty fast these days like the turns are getting shorter and shorter the the amount of turns that a game goes so ah, that's only downside for me i feel like i got to be getting a real huge amount of value out of this for it to be worth it so yeah drawing three for five like i'm fine with that but uh, do I want to play a seven mana mana rock to to do that? I'm not 100 percent sure. With how much treasure production is happening nowadays, like is this really a seven drop? I mean, I feel like this is also like coming down even easier for a sure. lot of. But like in in all seriousness, like it just like just straight up on turn seven, pay seven. This isn't bad. Like this is very very solid. I see this more of a combo piece. Like I don't usually run this as a mana rock. Or card draw, even I don't. I don't think I've ever activated the card draw unless I'm comboing off. But like, there's like so many ways. The fact that it taps for the fact that it taps for five mana and it's five of any color. It's it taps for five colors, but you can spend that mana as over mana of any color. Because of that, you basically have like 101 ways to combo off of it. Like Voltaic Key plus Rings of Bright Hearth plus the Ori. You can replace the uh, Rings of Bright Hearth with Kirkesh, which is like the red Rings of Bright Hearth uh, ability. There's like Filigree Sages, which is pay three mana, untap target artifact, and it makes, makes five. So you make infinite mana that way as well. Uh, and then once you have infinite mana, you could just activate its ability. If you have infinite mana, infinite ways of untapping it, you can just start untapping it and making, uh, drawing your deck. Uh, Tezzeret the Seeker and the Chain Veil and Ori is also infinite. Lithorm Engine you could replace, uh, uh, with the Chain Veil to also go infinite with Tezzeret. So it's like a billion ways. There's a billion ways to go off with the Ori. It also, it is an artifact. So again, if you're in an artifact deck that's like red base, Goblin Welder is just a one drop that you can tap, sacrifice whatever thing on your battlefield, any artifact on your battlefield, and put it put the Orrery, the seven drop from your grave route onto the battlefield. So that doesn't really matter to me. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't usually run it as like a mana rock in a random deck. I'll just I, if I'm trying to combo off of it, then then it's very tantalizing to me and it's very flexible because it it enables so many different types of combo lines. It is a sweet combo piece. That's for sure. 
It's nice that it it's the mana infinite mana combo piece, and it draws your deck yeah, all in one. You don't need a you don't need an extra piece to like. Oh, I got all the mana now. I got a whatever blue sun's end to draw my deck. Like it it does it all in one. Yeah. And I mean, if you're not ready to combo off yet, that it does tap for five. Like enters the battlefield untapped and taps for five and fixes your mana. So it's like it's not bad as a mana rock. I don't think it's just that. If I am running it, you 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 know that it's not going to just be a mana rock. It is also going to be comboing off. <laughs> well, this is my deck. I don't know. Would you, would you guys sense. not run a, a combo with it? You just run it fair? I probably would, I, yeah. I run it fairly, but I, I mean, run it fairly. if you're running it, you might as well throw a combo in, I guess. It's like easy enough to do, but I, I've run it without any combos before. I, I definitely run without combos before. I mean, I, my three-color decks, I've run it. I, like my three-color, like my bolus deck. Uh, and then also my dragons deck, like like it's it's. You sweet. mean you're more of a fun deck? You're, you're yes, my yeah. my dragon deck, Tomer. Yeah, that one, that dragon. <laughs> that that dragon deck. Yes, <laughs> we're bringing you to Dragon Tribal. We're seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's a dragon. Yes, I know. <laughs> Fair. Okay, you got me. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll move on. Phil, what do you got for us as your second pick for Mana Rocks? Yeah, it's a five mana Pyromancer's Goggles. Yeah, five mana, legendary artifact. Tap, add one red mana to your mana pool. Not very efficient. When this mana is spent to cast a red instant or sorcery spell, I see a pattern here, copy that spell and you may choose new targets. Would there be a spell yeah. you copy? Uh, you, how would you copy it? Is there it, any like... red instance? There is actually an extra yeah. spell that's in yeah. red. There's a couple, actually. Sure, Last but fortune, yeah, how about no, Genesis Ultimate? Yeah, sometimes you just need to get that value. I'm not taking extra turns in Commander, and I can't play this on Arena, so haven't played this with extra turn spells, but man, play a Genesis Ultimatum with this. Oh, straight to Value Town. I mean, five mana is obviously bit pricey but doubling up in your in your red deck man that doubles up a lot obviously but if you go into multicolor spells you get some pretty insane payoffs there would you build a deck around this i don't know but i would throw it in a deck just to have fun and uh, i just always forget about this so i'm almost sure that i never played it in commander but looking at this list it's definitely a fun one. It's still a B for everyone. I mean, Smona Rat is the best place probably, or like Timur Spellsling or something. Very archetype dependent again, but super fun. And it copies spells, which is, yeah, that just wins my heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's super good with the red like discard draw effects those are some of like oh, yeah. i think the strongest cards to use it with because the copy gets around fall. the mm-hmm. yeah big score unexpected windfall it gets around the the discard the second time so the second one's just like pure value and we keep getting more and more of those effects so if you're thrill of possibility or whatever it becomes really good just doubling up removal is fine and then it can also do ridiculous things if you double up like rituals like seething song or uh anything like that that adds a bunch of mana like doubling that is going to allow you gonna uh, gonna allow you to have a super super huge turn a mana geyser or something so for me it's very niche and i need to have the right deck to support it but in that deck it's like such a powerful and fun card 
I imagine copying cruel ultimatum. Mm. Well, there you still have to target. So one lucky player <laughs> doesn't I get think, cruel, but man. I think it's a bit underrated. And is it spell slinger? Is it, it blue red is a, the primary colors for instant sorcery spell archetype, and I think in in your typical is it that you're going to have enough red instant sorceries to make it work? Like outside of mono red, what do you, what do you guys think? Like, would you run in? Is it spell slinger? You don't I think really see it that often. Yeah, I, I think it would still be worth it. I think it would depend on your, like, specific build. If for some reason you don't have many, you know, is it spells or mono red spells, then it would get worse. And it is a bummer that you can't, like, copy your whatever, ponder or treasure cruise or something. But I still think it's worth it. I think the other question is, like, how many of these can you play? You got goggles, and we talked about primal amulet. Maybe in your is it deck, you're just better off trying to flip an amulet and doing it that way rather than going with the goggles. So maybe that's part of the issue. But I don't think you should exclude it from is it. I think you would have enough spells in a two color deck to make it work. I, I think it's terrible in is it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, because everything that you want to be doing in an is it deck is primarily blue. Um, like, and then I mean, there are a few. There obviously is it spells, but like I feel like. You know, like for five mana, am I? Is this what I want to like add <laughs> into my Izzet deck? One. Yeah, add, <laughs> like that's just a. T- we were just talking about like you know, like some of the other four mana mana rocks, right? The 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 dungeon one. Oh, that makes one mana for four. You know, like that. The dungeon one would do more than this. But in the right deck, I feel like in specifically mono red decks, yeah, like there's there's you know not a lot of like like mono red decks that can use it outside of like burn decks. I love this in Torbrand. Like this thing is awesome in Torbrand. Um so I don't know, this is very much so specific to just mono red, I think. Um wouldn't it do, wouldn't it be pretty good in Grixis decks if you have you have to play play multicolor spells, but it, as soon as you play like removal spells or something with it and copy them like, you get pretty sick card advantage there. Maybe you get so like the best like things you get out of that are like 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 uh, Rakdos charm and uh, do I want to copy Bedevil that? Uh, Bedevil, cruel ultimatum is obviously the high the Ooh. best case scenario. Yeah, like I love the idea of copying a cruel <laughs> ultimatum, but I could do that not attached to a five mana artifact, sure. right? Like so that that's the the main thing. Um, so you really gotta like understand like like this is a five mana mana rock and. Yeah, so I think that's where mono red. Like, I want it to be good with anything I cast, no matter what it is. Just and play that's where. Servant. I mean, okay, okay, yeah, I could just play painter <laughs> servant. That's fair. Broken. We finally yeah. both broke painter servant. And uh, I think it also suffers because of double vision being a thing now. Yeah, double vision yeah. like mm-hmm. just lets you copy yeah. the first spell each turn, and you don't have to deal with uh, color restrictions or anything. So maybe in is it you would just play double vision instead? But it doesn't tap for mana, Seth. That's true. That is Boom. true. That is the upside one up. mana. One mana. It does that not tap for one mana. One mana <laughs> that you spent five mana for. Yeah. Okay. Huge. <laughs> All right. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Maybe just mono red spell singer. Then I agree. <laughs> um. All right. We'll move on. I have a spicy one. That. Okay. This is controversial because we'll we'll get to the rating very soon. Uh. But I'm very disappointed in all of you. Um, so I'm going to tell you that my choice 
is Scepter of Eternal Glory. A lot of people aren't familiar with this card yet because it came out as a Warhammer 40k exclusive in the Necron pre-constructed deck. Uh, so it's very recent. Um, it is a 4-mana colorless legendary artifact two abilities first you can tap it to add one mana of any color or you can tap to add three mana of any one color activate only if you control three or more lands with the same name so basically if you have three basic lands that share the same name you have like three plains for example or three swamps or three mountains aka you're like a mono color deck that actually runs basic lands as you should uh, then it's basically a Thran Dynamo that taps for mana of any color. So mana fixes it. It, it adds color to your mana pool. And while monocolor decks, which are the ones that are most likely to use this ability, while they don't have the highest mana restrictions or the mana, mana consumption, like you can get away with more colorless sources in, in monocolor decks, it's still really nice to have colored mana. Like, if you're in a mono black deck, it's much better having a Thrain Dynamo to cast your triple black than it is for triple colors because you will be able to cast your, like, one mana black spells much more easily off that and stuff. And to my utter dismay, I thought this would be an easy A all around. I gave it an A. I look Ooh. at the rest of you, Ooh. and you give Ds. You yeah. give Ds to set a better Thrain Dynamo for monocolor decks, and you give it Ds. What is going on? It's a single format. It who plays a? It's an A. I'll put it in two-color decks. I'll put it in my two-color decks <laughs> no. as well. Well, you got to remember, Tomer. and two-color. You got to remember, you're the only one in our group that believes every deck should run 20 to 25 basics, no matter how many colors you're playing. So basics. not all, not all of us, not all of us are just always going to have, you know, 10 islands and 10 mountains on the battlefield. Some of us play MDFCs and utility. Some of us like value out of our lands. We like to actually do powerful things with our mana base I, I like rather than try too. to, rather than try to turn a mana rock into a Thrand Dynamo. That sounds like a lot of effort for a very minimal payoff. I, that, that and this is, is gonna sound like around. this is gonna sound like trolling, but I would literally play Hedron Archive like ten times out of ten over this. Oh I would even in a monocolor deck, I would not even think no. twice about. I, I, I agree oh with that. I, I, I would play the Hedron Archive over this card yeah, every time. At least it draws cards. You're telling me. You're telling me if you're in a monocolor deck, you're in a monocolor deck. You won't have three basic lands, three basic lands in your deck. To make so this I, consistently tap for three mana. Well, yes, but a bit more than three so in the entire deck. I wouldn't necessarily have it. No, 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 you wouldn't necessarily have it on turn four, though. Like if you're playing this on time, why not? That would, I wouldn't have it on turn four. There's a you're chance crazy. that you're playing like a, MDF, a tapped MDFC or something, or like whatever utility land. So, and then I just don't think the rewards there in monocolored. Colored mana, it is an upside technically, but not that big of an upside. And we've just been talking about all these other like similar options where you could maybe draw some cards or maybe you take the initiative and do go that direction. There's like so many things. I feel like you're doing all this work and you're building a Thran Dynamo. So why wouldn't you just play Thran, Thran Dynamo and cut out all the work? How many basically you're how, okay? Except in a monocolor deck, how many basic lands are you running? In a monocolor deck, I, probably most of them are like 20, somewhere in that range. That's enough for Scepter of Eternal Glory, I think. It is, is it but not? it's... It, 
I think it's an I think it's enough, but why risk it when I could play Hedron Archive and draw cards or just play Thran Dynamo and not have to worry about what lands I have on the battlefield? Because, I feel because, like it just doesn't do if it made four mana or something, then maybe I would be interested. But it just doesn't seem like it does that much more than the other options. And you have this extra hoop you gotta jump through. I mean like And even if we go monocolor Tomer, that would make it a B, right? If the argument is it's yeah. good, very good in monocolor. <laughs> no, I play dual, dual color decks too, but yeah, it is a B. Whoa. Really? Okay. You play in dual color so decks? Wild. Yes. I, I, I still five run color. Tomer. No I way. I run 20 basics with my dual color decks. <laughs> I just checked my deck list and I played mono black braids recently. And to be fair, I played 20 swamps. Okay. So I guess, but I would still wouldn't. Run, I mean, I wouldn't run Thran Dynamo in there. <laughs> That's like, even on the low but, end, though. Don't you run like Cabal Coffers and stuff? What are you just hoping for Urborg every single game? Gotta get the Urborg. And gotta get. I think I ran I ran like uh, Expedition Map or something. I don't know. No, it's, oh wow! Uh, Two chances to find your Urborg. I, <laughs> I'm getting even worse with my basics recently. Like if I play no, three don't ma- let three... Seth influence you, Phil. <laughs> I might play three basics in a three color deck if I have no land tutors. Why, why not? So it, it, lands this this the, is like actually not even possible to turn on in my three color decks. Like I, I have yeah, two no of each. I have two of each basic in two color yeah. decks. I I still would struggle because I have a, probably a total of like ten basics. And then in mono color, I probably play about 18, um, like in my mono blue, because I have all the other lands, and then I have utility lands. So, I don't know, man. Like, again, why wouldn't I just, yeah, then play like one of, like Thran Dynamo? I'm looking at some of my two color decks, and they have like two planes and three swamps or something. Like, I would have to literally draw every one of one of my basics to to turn this on. Said so you had like a two color deck with sort of the animus, and you failed to find after like the first hit. Like, I okay. know that's I don't play I don't play sort of the animus anymore for that reason because I'd rather be able to not have to worry about the basic lands. So, yeah, this is I could see this Same. card being good for you though, Tomer, because you are the big believer in basic lands, and if you are someone who's gonna have a lot of basics. Then it does get better. I still think a slightly upgraded Thran Dynamo is not something to get like super excited about. But if you do have a ton of basics, then it probably gets good. If you're playing all basics in a monocolor deck, then it is technically a strictly upgraded Thran Dynamo because you should always have yes. enough of the same land. So, so yeah. I mean, I like see where I you're usually go from. for mono blue for monocolor decks. I usually go at least twenty. I'll go like to twenty five, and that leaves me with like well, like. 12 utility lands to work with as well so i don't know i did put it down to b a was a little bit too high because i will not put it over more than a two color deck but uh yeah okay fine uh these though these these These. hurt not moving it not moving it (laughs) straight unplayable trash all right um let let me know in the comment section below (laughs) oh boy that hurts all right uh we'll move on from my pain um to to the last round of cards i believe we got time for that or or do we what end time? here we're like an hour Light- 15 an hour cool. 15 for it lightning lightning round lightning round we have it in us to do lightning round okay I light, mean, we lightning should round. probably do it yeah yeah we already it. mentioned the great hench and I, lightning round and right. this 
this will help make it go a little bit a little bit easier because I see my last card and Tomer's last card. I actually wanted to talk about together because they're very similar. Uh, so maybe we just lump them together, which is Timeless Lotus and Prismatic Geoscope. Timeless Lotus, five mana, ETB's tap, taps for Wooberg, and then Prismatic Geoscope, five mana, ETB's tapped. Taps for mana equal to your domain, essentially. So if you have all five basic land types, then it would tap for Wooberg. If you only have four, it would tap for Wooberg. So it's actually very, very much the same card because you can only play Timeless Lotus in a five-color deck anyway. Assuming you're playing a tier mana base of Fetches and Triomes, you should have all the land types for Prismatic Geoscope. As far as our ratings... Timeless Lotus, C, C for, uh, C for everyone except Krim. Krim's got it at a B. Prismatic Geoscope, C, C for me and Phil. Krim and Tomer have it as B. These are cards that I was surprised people were so hyped about Timeless Lotus because my first thought was it's Prismatic Geoscope if you're playing, <laughs> playing a good mana base and no one really plays Prismatic Geoscope. So I don't really get the hype for these cards. The main reason I wanted to bring them up is Timeless Lotus is like really expensive and people seemed really excited about it. And I love my five color decks more than just about anyone. Like that's, I think if you look at our stats episodes of Commander Clash, that's usually what I play most every single season. I wouldn't, I don't run either of these cards. I'm not going to play a Timeless Lotus in my five-color deck. It just doesn't seem worth it. I'd rather play the the Chromatic Ori that we were talking about before or something like that that can give me even more value. So, I don't know. Am I missing something here? I know none of us rated these super highly, but why do you think the rest of the Magic World seems hyped about a card like Timeless Lotus when we already had a version in Prismatic Geoscope that no one plays, and it just doesn't seem that good? It has Lotus in the name. Yeah. Is that it? Just the, not, just not the even, name? Yeah, like, yeah, legitimately, it has Lotus in the name. It's However, mythic, it's legendary, like, I don't know, Lotus. So However, would you play doesn't... these in a five-color deck? Yeah. I like, mean, in Joda, you should probably play it. Okay, yeah. Joda, I can see that, because Joda, that it lets you cast anything in your Joda deck or whatever, but... I mean... Is it worth it? Is tapping yeah. for one of each color on a tap five mana rock worth it? It's not going to be bad, probably. You know what? I'm going to bump. I'm going to bump it to to bees for both. Yeah, I, I I think it is definitely worth it. I mean, yeah, it enters the enters the battlefield tapped, but untapping with these cards means that your five color deck is able to seriously pop off and cast whatever you want. Like the the I like for the most part, I I really like these in a five color deck. I just find it silly that Timeless Lotus is like as much as it currently is $20 for a card that otherwise like Jeez. the exact same card the exact yeah. same card prismatic geoscope they're literally the same domain you're going to get you're going to like with, especially with like the triumphs and everything maybe in like certain mana bases you won't be able to get domain very consistently but like if you're using triumphs and stuff it's, it's very easy to get all uh, tapper for 5 each time it's just not legendary, so if legendary matters, I guess that's the thing. I don't know. That's that's it an could, upside of, of Lotus. Yeah. But on the other hand, you could argue that Geoscope is better because you can play it in a four-color deck. Like, you literally, because of color identity, can't play Timeless Lotus, and there's ways to get all five land types, even in a four-color deck these days. We got that new gate in uh, Dominary United that you just get to choose a land type. There's stuff like that. So I think there's actually, like, 
I would argue that prismatic geoscope might actually just be better, assuming budget's not a concern. I think we're, it's so funny, Timeless Lotus is way more expensive, so getting it is really hard on the budget, but to actually support it, you don't need anything. You can play a Gates mana base and it'll work. Prismatic yes, geoscope to really support it, you are probably going to need fetches and triumphs and chalk lands to really consistently be getting all the land types. And it is legendary, so it does trigger things like Jota. Like prismatic geoscope, you're not going to get a Jota spin, but Timeless yeah. Lotus, you will. But still, it's just, it's just kind of funny that it's like... It's, it's funny that it's like 12 times as, as expensive, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, they're, they're okay. <laughs> they're, I don't think they're like the best cards in your five color five color deck, but they're like, yeah, five mana, five mana rock that taps for five is like, that's good. Yeah, all that's right. I mean, that's I think I'm rate. still going to keep it, still going to keep it at C. The question is how many of them One can of them run. Yeah. I think I would definitely run Chromatic Ori over it, and then I... I just don't know how many four plus mana rocks you can run in a typical deck. And I say this as Hedron Archive's biggest <laughs> And it just, you can't run that many of them. Just take out a land for it, Seth. That's fine. Take out a basic. <laughs> just, that's, that's, oh my God, I'm getting so off topic. But did you see how many people in the last Commander Clash comments got so mad about me saying I don't pick decks that run 31 lands? There were so many people in the comments that were like, my Ur-Dragon deck runs 31 lands and I never miss a land drop. Well, you're an idiot for not picking decks with no lands. I'm like, oh my goodness. I didn't realize people had such strong feelings about building their decks incorrectly. <laughs> I think I, I, I know why, though. I ran a poll in the commuter community section uh, of the YouTube channel and... I think it was something like 40% of people run the house rule where they do infinite mulligans to have a, a keepable seven. Uh, so I think 40% more percent of, yeah, yeah probably they, even, who, it's very casual like, friendly. Yeah, I oh. think nobody actually yeah. just says in casual commander night, like, oh, yeah, I had to keep a four-hand card land. That's yeah. the rule. It's like everybody's going to say, yeah, just take another one. It's not about winning Ooh. here. So yeah. I think even if you even if they don't explicitly say it, I think like I remember when I was a kid and I probably do it with my friends as well, like why would I keep let them keep a four card hand in a game that will last like two hours? That's yeah. Well, like, that makes uh, sense. They still have to admit that thirty nine is a bit bit tight on the mana base there. I mean, I mean you I mean, can mathematically sure. say that the odds of you hitting like your fifth land drop on time are like abysmally low <laughs> when you have 30 lands. Like yeah. yeah, you can use stuff like ponder and preordain to smooth it out and make it more likely that you find it or something like that. But like even using those, <laughs> it's still like you're just building objectively wrong if you're trying if you're trying to curve <laughs> out to like six drops you know like you're just you're doing it wrong i'm sorry oh the comments <laughs> oh boy i completely derailed lightning <laughs> i completely derailed lightning yeah, like, round my bad my bad lotus uh uh crim what's what's your last card so my last card is cage sun uh just six mana uh, then when it enters the battlefield let, let me get the actual like oracle text on this but uh, like when it enters the battlefield, you choose a color. Creatures you control of the chosen color get plus one plus one. And whenever a land's ability adds one or more mana of the chosen color, add one additional mana of that color. This I don't know if this is still like expensive, but like I I this card at a point was like probably pushing like twenty bucks or something, and there was a reason why. I I think it was one of the bigger like one of the best things you could have in a monocolor deck it's an anthem 
Uh, it, it doubles, and then it's not hard to also still use this in some decks because all it cares about is that the land's ability or whatever adds one or more mana of the chosen color, right? So I, I really love this in any kind of like, like monocolor deck and maybe some two color decks. But again, this is just a huge mana doubler and an anthem. So my little like, like blue, like, like merfolk, I love it. Oh yeah, especially in like mono blue that can't really ramp otherwise. Yeah. Like, mono green probably doesn't need it, but yeah, it's a, it was a staple, right? When I right. thought about this card a few years ago, I would say, oh, that's a classic commander card. Yeah. Yeah, probably don't see it that much anymore. Six mana is a bit much, but I think I've got it at A probably. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think you I do. A, yeah. A's for Grim and Phil, B's yeah. for, for the other two. I still Just put it in every single amazing. monocolor deck. Like, yeah. unless unless your your deck has like a lot of like like if you're in a monocolor deck, as long as your deck doesn't have a lot of colorless lands in it, like this is basically a Mirari's Wake. It costs one more mana, but it's for any color. And like Mirari's Wake, it's green white, so you're hoarding green. So like, yeah, okay, you get to double your your land ramp. Like, okay, that's good. But like, if you're in mono white or something, you get to double all your all your mana. That's insane. I think it's great in black even because black has Cabal Coffers, but like, wouldn't I want Cabal Coffers two, three, and four? Like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I'll take all of them, please. Thank you, because my Torment of Hellfire is going to be that much more lethal, right? So, yeah, I, I think this card is, is straight gas. It's really, really good, even so they'll say. And they're not, it's not that expensive anymore. It's like five bucks. Yeah, now it's like, like cheaper. Just, yeah. So, yeah. Prince. Maybe maybe like A is a bit high and maybe I should be lowering my grade to about a B, so we'll go to a B because it is it excels in any deck mm-hmm. that is a monocolor deck. It is yeah. very good there. So I guess that does mean that it is by definition what is a B, right? Like good in specific decks. Yeah. I I, I guess. Would you put it in two No. I mean maybe I, very specific two color decks, but in I general guess. I think you gotta be pretty much monocolored. <laughs> When I yeah, had by a, that rule, uh, it's a B, a, uh, I guess. Yeah. I had it in a Simic, like, Merfolk deck, but that's because even though it's Simic, it's splashing green, really, and it's primarily a blue deck. <laughs> you Although, would. <laughs> hmm, I, wonder, I wonder, though, the way it's worded is when a land's ability has one or more mana of the chosen color, you add an additional. I wonder, you could do it with, like, Urborg or Yavmaya now, like, and turn all your lands yes. into one color and name that yes. color. Although then you're still kind of forced for tapping for that color, so it's still a little yes. clunky and casting some of your spells. I'll just say, we learned in Standard a few years ago that doubling your mana is literally one of the most powerful things you can do in Magic. Like, seriously, as remember Wilderness Reclamation and Nissa yeah. and, like, that era, I will play I mana doublers every, every chance I get. Because I I, having twice as much mana as all your opponents is just, like, an inherently broken thing to do. So I love cards like this. I'll play in every, every monocolor deck that I can. And the beauty in it is that, like, you know, there's, what's the, what is it, Gauntlet of Might? Like, that one, yep. it doubles any land that taps that color, right? Whereas yep. this one is just your Power. lands. So, and yeah. if yeah. you're if you're in green, you also get Zendikar's Resurgent. Or that's probably the best five-color one, because it's just, like, any land that you tap is going to get doubled, which is very good as well. And you draw cards, so. Play more mana doublers. They're busted. They are, and I think they they be they fall out of favor because yes, they're expensive and stuff, so people don't really see them as as ramp. But like, I kind of see them as ramp and also your finishers because like once you have them on the battlefield, if you get to untap, like okay, if, if it gets blown up and you tapped out to cast it, then yeah, it feels bad. But like if you untap with it, you're basically in a winning position as long as you have good cards in your in your deck. 
you're going to rape out those good cards very, very quickly and probably win the game in short order. So, yeah, I think they're, they're still worth in 2022. And also another card that's still worth it in 2022. Phil, round it out for us. What's the final <laughs> yeah. card? Yeah, we got the, the big one here mentioned in the beginning. We got to at least mention it. The Great Hench. Nobody pays nine mana for it, but technically it's nine mana. But this spell costs X less, where X is the greatest power amongst creatures you control. Then it taps for green, green, and you gain two life. And whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on it and draw a card. Yeah, sure. It's, it usually costs two mana. Maybe not two, but you, you can easily make it cost four or something. Then it taps for two, gains two life, and just draws so many cards. The card is just super busted. Very fun to play, and you are going to win if you do that a couple of turns. Just insane. It's like the, the draw card part is... Oh, my... And like, it, yeah. it gets a counter for some reason. Yeah. Like, like, we're yeah. 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 even just, like, making mana and drawing cards is not enough value. So they're like, yeah, let's put some counters Fire on design. it. Why not? And yeah. gain life. Oh. Why not? Why not yeah. gain some life? It, it's even I, better in a plus one, plus one counter decks. Like, yeah. I, I, I think about I mean, how this, this is in a cycle and, like, how much better it is in its cycle. Uh, like, Ooh. it is by far yeah, the what, best What does the thing. white one do? <laughs> Yo, hey, No that, one knows. Hey, that's, hey that, that card is just... Fun it's... fact about this, though. If I was at this podcast uh, when Eldrain releases released, uh, I greatly underestimated Embercleave. So... Oh, every, uh, yeah, yeah. We didn't did. have that on record. I thought, like, well, who... Attacking? Who does this? Well... <laughs> But like, so like you do that quite a lot. <laughs> that is that is a card that I think a lot of people overlooked because of how good Eldraine was, right? Like yeah, every yeah. and like it, when you look at everything that is in that set, you know, like it's hard to pick because they were all yeah. stars. So yeah, <laughs> Red like, Hench was a clear from the beginning. Like, right? Yeah, it's since ever insanely expensive, insanely powerful. And but, just put it in every green deck that plays creatures. I mean, that's an easy yeah. S from everybody, I assume. It's the it's, only yeah, S we got S. from everybody. Yep. Yeah. The S only time we gave an board. S. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it doesn't cost four plus mana. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, the one that really you don't costs pay two. four mana for. Wink, wink. <laughs> I think it's it's good from mono green up to five color. The only requirement is you do have to have a decent number of creatures. Like, as long as you have a decent number of creatures in your deck... Play the Great Henge. Uh, well, decent number of creatures and 60 extra dollars in your pocket. But uh, <laughs> other than that, <laughs> yes. That? You should, oh, yeah, my it's, it's up to like 60 bucks again, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if that's not an issue, it's a very strong magic card. Pricing is free, by the way. <laughs> also <enough>. true. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. All right. Uh, well, with that, we finally finish our... Wait, No. No. Yeah. Oh. Yes. 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 So. yes. With that, we finished our list. Fantastic. We went over 12 cards. And again, we're going to have the full list of cards that we ranked 
in the video description and also in the article. So if you go to mpgolfers.com, you find the article. We're going to have it pasted in there as well. Um, yeah, let us know what your favorite four plus mana value mana rock is. Uh, let us know in the comment section. We'll Maybe there's definitely stuff that we overlooked, obviously. And let us know if we're off base, if you think we're off base on certain cards, especially Scepter of Eternal Glory. Uh, you should definitely <laughs> mention how many bases you Actually, no. Hedron Archive. Hedron Archive. No, I, 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 heard, I heard from the comment section that apparently you all run like 31 lands in your deck. So actually, I don't want your opinion on Scepter of Eternal Glory. I think oh, all God. that. I think all that. And lastly, is Bolus <laughs> Citadel a mana rock? <laughs> yes <laughs> alright let us all know in the comment section we'll be back next week with I don't know what we'll, we'll let you all know when we figure it out alright see ya <laughs>